All righty. So hello, Christine. Hi, Leslie. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> good. Good to see you today. Yeah, it's good to see you too. So Tuesday, um, no, it's Tuesday. Yeah, it is Tuesday. Tuesday, May 23rd. It's my daughter's birthday today. Oh, Happy birthday, lovely. Gwen. Happy yeah. birthday. Are you doing anything fun with her? She's working today. She's working okay. late. Okay, so sorry. I'll yes. see her. Yeah, I'll see her in a couple of days. We'll okay. celebrate late. But oh, very yeah. nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. I turned off the fan. So just, oh. in, just in case anybody notices, I, there was some comments on the chat about it being, um, you were hypnotizing people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it being a bit, uh, you know, causing some dizziness and yeah. neurological <laughs> effects. And so I said, let me just turn this thing off. So actually I turned it off yesterday. It hasn't been back on. We always run the fan, but, um, do you have I, AC there? We do. Yeah. It just, um, even when with the AC, it kind of just moves kind of air around a little bit. I don't mm -hmm. know. We've always been, and then you can, the vent for the AC is not directly over mm -hmm. like the bed, which it is in here, or the fan is in here. So you can feel it more. So I, it is yeah, it is. I have a fan too. I don't have a ceiling fan here, but I, I run my fan a lot. Cause I really like the white noise mm -hmm. and the That's movement part of, of it air. Too. Yeah. It helps with me sleeping, but anyhow, I yeah. did, um, I did respond by turning it off to one of the comments in the chat about it. So well, that's very that's very considerate we we had this great chat after we stopped recording and streaming yes. last time about yes. um about the future of like this sort of i don't know what is the umbrella term for the talk therapy profession is there the a future of psychotherapy yeah i guess so so but moving into the coaching space it's no longer called psychotherapy so what is an umbrella term that encompasses both like, what are you doing? I, I've called it just like helping the helping the profession. profession. Yeah. The helping profession. That's, I mean, I think that's, mm -hmm. so then you could put social workers under there too. You could pretty much put anybody mm -hmm. that's in those kinds of positions. So I think helping profession is pretty accurate. Vague enough and Va vague enough and to cover it all. Yeah. To cover it all. And, um, you know, just easy to easy to understand what belongs there. Yeah, this is kind of the, the question that's been in my mind a lot over the past, well, yeah. year or more, really, since I started contemplating not working as a licensed therapist. Yes. And what does it mean to still work with clients without a license? Does yes. that invalidate your work? Or is that still valid? And, and what are the pros and cons? And in my present situation that's what i'm doing is i'm i mm -hmm. i've taken i um i don't talk about this very much but i'm i'm a health coach also mm -hmm. oh, and wow. so yeah I'm, I'm certified in health coaching but i don't really bring that into my practice very much except that i like to take lifestyle factors into consideration yes. when i'm considering people's yes you know state of mind i i also consider state of body yeah and so my intake form looks kind of like a health coach intake form it's kind of like a hybrid mm -hmm. but That's um awesome. yeah so i but i took my training that i received from antioch my counseling skills training and and psychology applied psychology training along with the health coaching package and i've just been offering coaching services to people mm -hmm instead of I think that's fantastic proceeding. yeah yeah and it offers a lot more flexibility in some ways although yes. there are limitations in other ways and 
you mentioned some interest in that too. So yeah. I thought we should talk about it. Yes, I did. I am. I, you know, one of my main reasons I'll say, you know, when I was working in um, addiction treatment, for example, we used a lot of different modalities and there were some trauma modalities, but what we used, I think the most was motivational interviewing, which is sort oh, of a yes. style. Right? I love motivational interviewing. Yes. And that's um, a style of, of it's under the cognitive behavior umbrella under the CBT umbrella. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the idea there obviously is that the client ends up deciding what is important to them. The client ends up realizing what the consequences are of their actions. The client decides whether to move forward to make change or not. And so there's not, uh, there's less psychoanalysis involved and more action oriented and also the past is important. It helps you understand your behavior today, but they don't spend a lot of time on trying to heal the past and more so time on trying to move forward, mm -hmm. in, you know, in spite of it, I guess, or, or it's somehow incorporated into your being, of course, but it doesn't become, you know, the way that you continue to identify or judge, you know, your, your, your life and your success and, and all of that. And I found that to be very valuable because I was able to be much more direct. And even when I was a trainee, I think my favorite clients were ones that were in recovery mm -hmm. um, that, you know, were, were completely like aware, you know, they had their own sort of bit of self-awareness about themselves and their own habits and things. And they were really open to listening um, to well, they were open, they were open to the line of questioning, I should say, and discovery and inquiry and just not. And I think sometimes people misunderstand there's no agenda necessarily for us as, you know, the practitioners, we're not there because we have the agenda of making you, you know, do or not do something. We're more mm -hmm. about, okay, so you've been doing this and how's that working for you? Mm -hmm. And have you tried something new and what would it be like to try something new? So there's no real, you know, you know, ulterior motive there. And so that's what I really like about it. And um, because it's not regulated under the same state board that we are now, things about, you know, privilege or acknowledging privilege in the room when you first step in to see a client are not part of the equation anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to you know, bring that up unless that's something the client brings up, then of course, you know, you'd, you'd process that and run with it. But if it doesn't happen, the idea of, of that is that you're not just bringing it up for the sake of doing that. So there's a lot of things within the ethics portion of this profession within the, um, the ethics board, because we have two boards, our licensing board and our ethics board. And our ethics board is the privilege and that we need to acknowledge that in the room and all of that. So mm -hmm. if you don't do it, it's not like you're not going to, you're going to get your license suspended, but you could have a complaint filed against you for mm -hmm. not, you know, following that. That's what they consider to be ethical. Mm -hmm. So that puts a lot of constraints too, because that's not how I want to practice. So I've decided I'm going to try <laughs> to, to launch a coaching option myself, a coaching service, because I think there's a lot there that there's a lot to, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be said for the amount of education and experience I have as a psychotherapist and as a professor, those two experiences also as a clinical supervisor for years as well. Those experiences, I think have led me to a place where 
you know, coaching can sometimes feel very surface level, but there is the opportunity to have depth and there Mm -hmm. is the opportunity to go into some of these deeper places and have those kinds of conversations. Um, But it's not therapy, which would mean that I'm not going to, you know, I wouldn't be using the therapy hat or practicing Mm -hmm. under that. Um, I guess the difference, you know, one of the differences would be again, about the action oriented, whereas with therapy, there is no necessarily task that you give your client. You could give them homework as they say, like go home and during the week before you see me next, write down all the times you had negative thoughts about yourself and what happened before and what happened after. That's some kind of homework, but coaching is a lot more direct than that. It's a lot more, okay, so this is how you're feeling about yourself. Let's take a look at whether or not there's any facts to validate that. Is there any evidence to validate it? And then how do we move forward from that point um, into a place where, you know, you, you start to see yourself as more than just, you know, what you're seeing yourself as now. I mean, it just gets to, to deepen the conversation, but not spend so much time in the past or in this place where we're trying to really heal the deep wounds. You know, that's really interesting that you, that, and that's one of my sticking points with the label coach is the really directive style that you anticipate when you hear that. Cause I'm not a directive person. I don't, I don't work that way. And I don't work that way with my coaching clients. I, I don't give a lot of homework and I don't give a lot of instruction. It's, it is more exploratory. It's more um, philosophical, more existential. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like, I don't, I still bristle at the word coach. It doesn't fit for me that well, because I don't believe that I'm doing, I'm not really, I'm not really coaching people necessarily, but I'm also really clear that I don't do diagnosis and I'm not offering psychotherapy. It's not, not giving you a treatment plan. This is not this Correct. is not a medical clinical model in any way, shape or form. So it's, yeah. it's peer to peer. It's just one person talking to another person and the way to describe it. Yeah. I've never been into homework either, even with, you know, clients I've had in the past where you go home and you write down, that's never been my, my, my thing. I am more direct. I will mm-hmm. say in my mm-hmm. style, um, because it, it, and it's not about, this is, and that's what I loved about addiction treatment is that there was so, there was a directive factor. It's not mm-hmm. about an agenda. It's about let's get down to what is really happening here and let's get without a whole bunch of, you know, let's get to the, let, let's, let's get to the point. What's the thing, you know, there's the thing that's at the center of it. There's the, whatever is happening for you mechanism that is happening for you. That's at the center. What is that mechanism? And how does it serve you? And how does it not serve you? And how does it keep you stuck? And how does it keep you moving forward? So I think with um, addiction clients, those are the kinds of things that you typically do. You typically talk about how has that been working for you? You know, you ended up here. How do you think that happened? Exploratory therapy, which was my kind of modality. Well, it's not an official modality, but it was my style. Um, was more about exploring, obviously, what led you to this place, exploring how that affects your, you know, your life, your relationships, how you see yourself today, spending a lot of time in the past, if we need to spending time in the present, if, if, if we need to, those kinds of things. But there was never um, a direct 
well, how's that working for you kind of approach. Um, it was more about, you know, let's, you know, spend some time sort of, if you can, if we can figure out what need you're trying to get met and how you're trying to get that need met, what mechanism, what tools are you using? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Where does mm-hmm. that originate? And okay, now that we can kind of figure out where that originates from, what's the, what's the, what's the payoff? We call that a secondary gain. Mm-hmm. So behaving in a certain way, there's the initial, you know, response you want to get from somebody, but there's what we call secondary gain after that. So what becomes the secondary gain of, let's say you, you, you struggle with depression mm-hmm. and you've, you know, been in and out of the hospital many times. So that in and of itself, I mean, that's, that's painful. That's, that's, you know, obviously a horrible emotional and mental, you know, anguish, anguish, like absolute anguish and agony. Mm-hmm. So, you know, medication, talking about other options of coping skills and all of that. But there are times when you ask the question, what's the secondary gain here? And the secondary gain might be, it keeps my family together. It keeps mm-hmm. my parents together. It keeps my, you know, um, family intact because if they can focus on me having all of the problems, they don't have to look at themselves and they don't have to look at their own relationship in a sense of it bonds them. Mm-hmm. That's a secondary gain. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the things where we get more into that with emo- with motivational interviewing. We get more into that with that kind of inquiry process, even mm-hmm. in addiction. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, well, gee, you know, this behavior, it isn't serving you, but it's serving something. And what is that something? And what's that secondary gain? Well, every time I go to the hospital, my parents who hate each other end up being very loving and caring and and hold each other. This is not to say, and I'm going to be very clear that people do that on purpose. I am not in any way suggesting that whatsoever. I don't want that taken out of context, but what I'm saying is there's some sort of gain that can be present that isn't even conscious. Okay. They may not consciously even most of the time they don't 99% of the time, probably they don't, they don't Mm -hmm. really know, you know, would not really have that knowledge or understanding. It's an unconscious thing. Therapy would spend a lot of time digging into that. Right. Whereas maybe motivational interviewing slash coaching ish wouldn't spend as much time, but would look at what's happening now in the dynamic and say, okay, your secondary gain here. It looks like, you know, one of one of the things you're really concerned about is that your parents don't get along. And in some way that keeps you sick. Right. It's like, it's like examining the fact that even maladaptive behaviors were adapted for some kind of correct. Correct. So it's not that therapy doesn't do that. It does, but it takes a much more, you know, it takes an approach that focuses a lot more on the past and a lot more on how you've created bonds and relationships with people before without calling it out in a very gentle and compassionate way and saying, well, it sounds to me like, you know, every time I'm just going to use that example, you go into rehab, your family tends to become very close and they tend to pay attention to what you're doing and saying and all of that. So there is something that is, you know, being gained from that, but at what, you know, to, to what cost, you know, what's the cost involved for your own personal life? cut to the chase type of thing. I mean, I hate it. And it's not, I don't want it to sound that crass, 
but it, it that's what I mean by direct. You know, I really think that uh, and I'm just kind of speaking off the cuff, but I think that there's room to create another brown branch of counseling. That's that because it, one of the criticisms that I have of the counseling profession as it's being taught right now, or as it, as it was taught in the program that I just attended, this is totally separate from the social justice stuff. It was just the, it's the clinical aspect. It's that it's so, it's so medicalized. Yes. I think I've talked about this. I, I hope this isn't super redundant. I know I've talked with you about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on a live stream, but when we were doing mock sessions with other students, we were told, give them a diagnosis, at least one or two diagnoses. You know, here's, here's your DSM, give them a diagnosis. Yeah. And if you can't find a diagnosis, your professor can, because yes. everybody has a diagnosis. It's like, it's the DSM, the Di Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. We all have mental disorders. We all, according to this model that's being taught now, we are yes. all mentally disordered in some way that a, a trained professional can identify for you. So by virtue of the fact that you've walked in to see a counselor, you now have a mental health diagnosis. Yes. And I don't like that. I don't think no. that that's a good way to treat people. I have a foundational problem with that. It's a problem on many levels because then you're also in some way um, watering down the severity of somebody else's mental illness who actually really has an authentic, I, my uncle has schizophrenia. My aunt has schizophrenia. My great aunt had schizophrenia. Okay. We have heavy mental illness on my side. And Ooh, you should get tested be, for MTHFR. That's M interesting. Methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. There's a gene sequence oh. that is it's in anyway, I can talk about that more if you want, but they're well, they're doing a whole, cause my father has Alzheimer's and two of his siblings have Alzheimer's too. So on both sides mm. of my parents' family, it's like the brain stuff is so they're yeah. testing me for the gene actually. Oh, there's a lot of really good research on interested in that. Yeah. The correlation between MTHFR variations and a, a host of mental illness. Anyway, that's a tangent, but yeah, but schizophrenia I that and bipolar is a big yes. part of that picture. That's really interesting. I, I mean, I'm very, yeah. And I'm, and again, this is a total side note, but I, and I um, enrolled in the clinical study because the prevalence of it on my, on my dad's side is so, is so strong. And then oh, the mental health. Yeah. yeah. It's like out of five. So there's five of them, three of them have Alzheimer's. So, oh, wow. Okay. It's yeah. Just, it's clinical. Yeah, they that's call scary. Clinically yeah. Significant, terrifying mm -hmm. <laughs> in yeah. many ways. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, they're doing some gene sequencing, something or other, when they end up studying my, whatever they're doing, um, mm. maybe that would be something that I could, that they would, find or look for. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be fascinating. Though, well, though. aluminum is implicated in Alzheimer's and yes. MTHFR variation, uh, along with the standard American yeah. diet can create a backup in your heavy metal body burden. So you can end up having trouble excreting heavy metals. Wow. And anyway, it's a this very is, interesting topic. Yeah. Yes. I'll definitely want to chat with you more about that once I do the draw, the blood draw, and they give me back my results. It's I'm not an expert on it, so but I can. Yes, I have. I would. I could direct you a couple of places, maybe. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um. So. Sorry, tangent. Oh, <laughs> but, so it kind of so 
he's very mentally ill mm-hmm. as are all the other family members that I mentioned to you that have mental illness. So this whole, everybody has a diagnosis sort of like reduces him down to like the average person, you know, walking around in the world in a sense, because mm-hmm. everybody has a, di- that's not true. He can't mm-hmm. function. He can't hold down a job. He's on disability. He will be for the rest of his life. He's never been able to live alone. Like it's very painful. It's very painful on my generation to watch because his generation and my grandparents did not believe in medication for mental health. So every Mm. time he was doing well, they would end up taking him off the meds, take him off the meds. And then gee, surprise, surprise, he's back in the hospital again. So that is why that's one of the reasons why I don't like this whole idea of everybody has a diagnosis because it just waters down and Mm -hmm. sort of whitewashes people that have serious mental health problems that lead to hospitalizations, not taking care of yourself and in um, very extreme cases, death, if you take your own life. So yeah, yeah it's another reason it just detracts from the severity of that. It completely and, does. and you know, what's interesting is that it also, so it both it's, there's a contradiction because it both detracts from that severity. And also the program, at least the way that it's, that counselors are being taught right now, they're taught to look down on the worried well, Yes. Like, or, or, well, so not so much to look down on the, the worried well. So that's a, and I hate that phrase, but to look down on counselors who want to work with them, like you're supposed to want to work in community mental health where people have really severe problems based on their SES and other, other issues that they're having in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not supposed to want to work with high functioning people who are dealing with lifespan issues how dare how dare you even consider all of that because you know we're 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 all about the marginalization and disenfranchisement Mm -hmm. of what these people have suffered and if we can't solve that problem i mean right that's straight out of social justice 101 that's the reason they have a lot of ammo to use to back up that kind of, of, of thinking, but that is exactly true. Mm-hmm. That, that was something that would be very shameful to say or admit out loud that you, you want to work, work with, with that population. Yeah. People who are, they call them the word, the word well came from wealthy, but that's not oh. only, yes, it's is not that right. Yeah. It came from the word wealthy, but that's from the days of I don't know. It's very Freudian. So I'm not, it's, I mean, we're talking. Well, wealth is what, I mean, is wealth just currency or is it, is it like yes. the stuff of life? There you go. What, it, what are you wealthy in? Yes. Well, that's, that's a good question. And I don't mm. know mm. Um, the answer to that, but I think that's a good question. The idea though, has sort of morphed into a better understanding, which is that these are people that are high privileged people. They're yeah. Yeah. What they would call privilege, but just your average person who's functioning in society goes to work, has a job, maybe has a family, Mm -hmm. you know, takes a family vacation once a year, you know, those, those, you know, the kids play sports, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, you know, those, that's the, that has always been for me, the, the cream of the crop. I wanted those clients. I didn't, but you can't really say that because you have to care about, it's just like what you said, you have to care about the underserved and underprivileged in order to be taken seriously or not looked at as part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And a privileged white woman is saying that she only wants to work with other privileged white people. That's what they would say about you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And me, I guess I'm 
what am I? I'm white adjacent, maybe. Is that the is that the right word? Or I'm I have toxic internalized toxic shame about being, you know, uh, Middle Eastern and my real desires to be white. I don't. Yeah, is that you're what like it is? you have internalized white supremacy. That's it. Internalized mm-hmm. white supremacy. Yeah, I know it's it's really interesting the the way that you're shamed for wanting to work with that population. And like you, that's the that's the population I always wanted to work it with because. Uh, I think that we go through things in life that it really helps to have somebody to verbally process with. Absolutely. And that's the whole, that's the the job for me. That's what it is. That's what it's about is being in relationship with someone to the getting close enough in relationship and rapport with someone that they feel like they can unburden themselves and really talk through and examine their life and examine their patterns and find out through co-processing what they want, what they think that they need and their direction to go to improve the way they're doing things. It's, and that's very similar to models in psychotherapy. I mean, I think the big difference is you've not, you've unmedicalized it in a sense by not doing Mm -hmm. treatment plans and diagnoses, first Mm -hmm. of all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that um, that's really the big difference. Other than that, that that's, quite a bit of psychotherapy, but that piece of the treatment plan and the diagnosis and all of that, that makes you search for the maladaptive behaviors, mm-hmm. makes you search for what's wrong rather mm-hmm. than focus on what's right mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. what's working versus what's not. Um, that part I think is very, uh, coaching influenced if you will. Well, and I tell them to drink water. I do. Yes. Oh, well, they- <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus, Corey, you absolutely <laughs> can't be a psychotherapist for encouraging <laughs> anything related to the body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so it's, um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's what you're talking about successful. And I, and I, and I think that the, the clients I saw the most change in were ones where I, I practiced using more of the motivational interviewing and Mm -hmm. using more of the, um, of those kinds of tools and helping to point out maybe what, that what the gains might be for maintaining a behavior, but knowing that that's not serving you anymore. I mean, I think I practiced from that kind of orientation at vantage point, pretty mm-hmm. much anyhow, mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for a long time. I think the big difference, uh, for me to go into coaching would be, um, not medicalizing it. So there's no diagnosis. And also, I mean, again, I don't want to, we have to understand the past yes to understand the future but i don't want to stay stuck there and i think right sometimes what happens not like with a better. systematic focus exactly yeah just exactly. as needed as needed as for needed. that person correct mm-hmm. you know and it's important to recognize when you're making the same choices time and time again mm-hmm. again throw motivational interviewing into that that's built into that it's built into okay so knowing all of this, and this is the choice you made, how did that work out? And was there something different that came from it? And those were the moments I think as a therapist that I had the most, um, you know, fulfilling, you know, moments or when the client would come back and say, you know, I did something different this time and it felt better. And that to me was just, I'm so happy to hear you talk about it. Motivational interviewing like this, because I I was, I'm really impressed with that. I actually keep a motivational interviewing worksheet up on my computer and I, I really, yeah, I use it quite a bit. 
Um, wow. So yeah, it's, it's such a good, That's incredible. It's a good modality. Yeah, um, it is. And it's the generated other thing, from the client, you know, it's not, you yeah, exactly. You want, right? it's the it's client talks it. themselves into their own. They talk themselves change. into their own change. Um, the other thing, excuse me. The other thing that I think is really concerning right now in terms of licensing requirements is this, this whole wave of conversion therapy laws that's coming across. I don't know what it's like in California, but in yes. Washington, you're not able, if you're practicing under a state license, you're not able to do exploratory therapy with gender questioning clients, you are only, you're restricted only to affirmation, which that seems really strange because why that would you correct. do that with anything that the client brings in? Why, why because... would you ever do affirmation of anything? Like it's not your job. Your job is to like, it is explicitly to explore. It is to ask questions That's and the... probe without yes. judgment. Yes. And on top of that, okay. It's one thing to validate feelings and to say, you know, mm -hmm. of course you would feel angry or sad or, mm -hmm. or whatever it is, it, you know, having had X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. happen mm -hmm. to you. That's one thing. And that's over here. It's mm -hmm. something completely different to affirm a bunch of ways of, of, of seeing the world that are inaccurate from the client's perspective that are in, you know, um, not valuable in any significant way. Mm -hmm. They're filtered through a lens of, you know, victimhood thinking. Let's just throw that out there. That is completely different when you affirm that. And the mm -hmm. problem now is that it's passing everywhere. Don't know if it officially passed in California yet. If not, we're up next. The problem here is that now you're affirming not just their, 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 their lived experience. You're affirming their interpretation of it. That's mm -hmm. the difference. Mm -hmm. The lived experience. I went to the grocery store and somebody said, oh gosh, Middle Eastern women are so, you know, ugly. I don't know, whatever. So, okay. That's my lived experience. My interpretation of it though, is what counts. And when that mm -hmm. therapist says, mm -hmm. well, gee, that's because we live in a world where, you know, Middle Easterns are, are, are being, um, you know, oppressed and, and, and looked at as second-class citizens totally different response than somebody who says, let's explore why that bothered you. Mm. Let's explore why it held so much power over you that you would bring that here. And you would be in such tears because clearly it was hurtful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's affirm, mm -hmm. let's, let's, you know, validate it was hurtful yeah. and it was, it was wrong. Now let's look at whether or not that holds actual truth in the world, other experiences you've had, now let's look at how that plays in that that's, that's the difference between exploratory and validating a lived experience versus right. affirming an interpretation of a lived experience. Yeah. That's a really good example and a really good breakdown. And it seems like there's not anything you could come in and talk with your counselor about that, that should just be just greeted with a big Bravo like that. Like what if you came in and said, I want to get I want to get married to this person. Well, good. Well, congratulations. I'm, I'm, that sounds like a good, a good feeling. How's that going for you? What, what is, what is that like? And you want to talk about that issue. You're not going to say, yes, you should get married to that person because yes. the counselor has no idea. So when you come in and you say, I want to make these changes to my body, 
why would you just get a big resounding? Yes, you should absolutely do that. Why shouldn't it be? Well, that sounds like you've made a big decision. Why don't we talk about that? What is that like for you? What does that mean for you? And, you know, where does so that come from? Around, the workaround that you're using, which was brilliant, is to move out of the psychotherapeutic, you know, apparatus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's what it is now and into something like coaching, which will give you the space to do the type of exploratory inquiry that you're Mm -hmm. discussing. Mm -hmm. You can't call it therapy, which I get, you know, and I can't call it that either, (laughs) but it gives you space to do exploratory in uh, inquiry. Mm -hmm. And that is where you can ask those kinds of questions. And that is what every therapist should be doing and can't do because this apparatus that we have that's controlling the narrative and the entire movement is so multi-layered that it it just it goes so deep when you how do we break that away for counselors? How do we break out of that? Do they all have to just leave in mass and join the coaching field, or is there a way to reform the the no ethics boards. There's no, there's no going back to what we were before. We can't go back. It's impossible. We're not going to ever, it will be transformed into something and it's either going to be transformed into, Hey, we realized that that wasn't the way to go. Let's Mm -hmm. sort of, they're never going to walk it back, but they're going to say, let's shift our focus away from this and into this. That's what they'll say. That's the PR or yeah it's going to worsen to the point that, you know, you just can substitute therapist for activist. Mm -hmm. Therefore, anybody wanting to do that kind of work does become a coach. It does become, you know, I just want to liberate the term. I'm, I know I'm getting stuck on this, but the stupid, I just don't like the word coach very much myself. I know I'm getting in the weeds on it, but I don't like the word, but, but when you've got states, um, state licenses that say the word counselor is a protected word, that you can't use unless you're licensed by the state. Yeah. Even being licensed by the state, like, well, okay. But it's a misnomer at this point. Correct. It's a misnomer. If you're an, if you're an activist, how are you a counselor? 100%. See, that's the problem is that these things never make sense. And so when you show the contradiction and the hypocrisy in the argument, it usually falls flat with those Mm -hmm. people. They take the conversation away. I don't know if you've noticed that in interactions you've had, but that's the one thing that stood out to me is that, gee, anytime a point is made that actually holds value and and holds its weight, the conversation seems to turn into something else. There's not a lot of evidence to back it up. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, part of it too, is because I'm only licensed in California. If I were to do, you know, coaching, which I do hope to, to move into that, you know, soon, I can do that from any, from living. I can do that with anybody from anywhere, any, anywhere. anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I or around not, the world. Yes. Can, yes. Or yeah. around the world, because mm-hmm. I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not protected by the APA. But even if mm-hmm. I was the APA right now is shattered into a million pieces. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mentioned it on this one, but there is no more APA. I mean, it's, 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 it's there, but it's captured. Mm-hmm. And they work in concert with AMA because the psychiatrists are the crossover. They're the mental health and they're the doctor. Mm-hmm. That's the crossover mm-hmm. and why those two things are inextricably linked and will be till, till we uncouple or decouple. But I don't know how that happens. I think that what you're saying about creating something like a coaching, you know, might maybe another word will come up for it besides that. <laughs> um, path is probably going to be 
a better bet. Um, it's interesting because, you know, like working with critical therapy antidote, there's a lot happening in Britain and the UK, I guess, United Kingdom. There's a lot happening in the UK to push back. Um, there's more happening there than there is here. So I think that, you know, because I'm very involved in their group and I love it. I think that they are like at the tipping point of falling over the cliff. I feel like we already have fallen over the cliff. Yeah. And their model is different though for counseling, isn't it? They don't do, they don't have the same focus on the clinical that the U S does. And they don't don't, know. I I don't think their regulation is the same either. I don't think that they are as, uh, as highly regulated, but wow, but I'm, I could be wrong. So, you know, we, I should verify that, but that seems like what I've understood through talking with people. That's probably true. And that's probably why the alarm hasn't been sounded as loudly Mm. as it is here. It has, but it's not to the same intensity. And that might be why they have less regulation on this. We have so much that Mm -hmm. kind of strangles us in Mm -hmm. a sense, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really interesting. I didn't know that but that makes a lot of sense. So for you going into this and, and starting to open up to coaching clients, what, uh, what are you hoping to find? Who's your ideal client that would, would contact you or what's the, what, what are you looking for and what are you offering? I mean, you know, not to kind of parrot what you said, but, you know, somebody who, you know, people who are looking, who are, who are trying to do some self-exploration and are trying to find, you know, who are, who are wanting to grow, who are wanting to somehow understand themselves a bit, a little bit better and understand their decision, their, the decisions they make because of that people who know that maybe they need to change something, but they're not sure what yet. They're not exactly sure what's not working, but something feels off. People who, you know, are frustrated with going to a therapist and feeling as though they're not moving forward, that they're in this endless cycle of staying within the same, you know, conversation over and over again um, and, and wanting maybe some tools or some tips. I don't even like the word tools, but wanting some, you know, conversation about, things that are empowering for them personally, ways Mm -hmm. that they can make decisions Mm -hmm. um, for themselves in a way that, that, you know, is confident and, and understanding that failure is, I mean, it's inevitable Mm because we are human, but that that doesn't reflect us being failures as people, even if we've failed at a decision or some, some other, you know, sometimes it's part of the change process. And sometimes it's part of the change process. Um, and then I think also there's sometimes where people just want somebody to listen to them and they may be not interested in talking to therapists who have a more woke point of view or a more critical social justice angle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're just pro-human essentially. They're just pro-purse like humanity mm-hmm. and they don't have maybe a lot of people or a lot of friends or a lot of colleagues or, or mm-hmm. a lot of anybody to talk to about that. You know, those people that are getting lost in the, in in the shuffle here, mm-hmm. um, that, yeah. that aren't into all of that and that still need some help. They still need somebody who can listen, somebody who can maybe ask the right questions, somebody who can teach them to ask themselves the right questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because therapy, I don't think is meant to go on for a lifetime. I think that therapy, the idea of it is really that it, you, you go in 
you work with somebody for a while and then you internalize, you know, what mm -hmm. your therapist has taught, not taught you, but what you've discovered, mm -hmm. what they've pointed out. And you then use that in your own personal life, but it's not necessarily meant to be that we go on for years and years together. Um, would you take young clients? I would not take anyone under 18. Um, okay. 18 and up. 18 and up only because I don't want to deal with the consents with the parents. And um, I'm going to be honest, the stuff is so, with the gender stuff is so prevalent, somewhat scary for me in mm -hmm. some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of therapists don't want to broach it um, yeah, either. And so I think that there's a huge um, gap there in care for young people. And, yeah. You know, we talked about that last time about some of the reasons why not to bring your kid to see a therapist. Yes. And I am. I, I believe that really strongly. And at the same time, I get a lot of inquiries from parents who yes. are looking because they cannot find a therapist to see their kid that won't do affirmation. And the kids are clamoring for therapists. Here's what I'll say. I mm -hmm. would see a parent mm -hmm. who is having trouble because their child is going through that. So I wouldn't see the child as the client, okay. but I would see the parent as work the client. With the parent. I work with the parent, parent on how coaching, to work, correct, parent coaching okay. perspective and how to work with your child. Mm -hmm. Not that there's any magic bullet, but to actually kind of d dissect this a bit, brainstorm a bit, kind of get into the weeds here about what you can do as a parent yeah. strategically when your kid is suffering from this. And mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to work with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that'll be a good resource for a lot of so, people. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have a website right now. I don't anticipate that I'm going to build one anytime soon. Um, How do you want people to contact you? Just via email is fine. And that's just, um, I'll put it for you in the chat, Leslie, but it's um, CC fin. So it's the letter C and then it's S like Sam, E like Edward, F like Frank, E like Edward, I like ice cream and like Nancy at Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, my last name, S-E-F-E-I-N-M-F-T.com. And just to kind of reiterate, um, wearing a coaching hat, although I am a licensed psychotherapist in California and have been practicing for 18 years, in a coaching capacity, I am not going to be wearing that hat. So yeah. just have to make it very clear, um, mm -hmm. which I think with a good to... contract, you can lay it out. Correct. Yes, show, definitely. And, and be really clear about what you're offering and what definitely. you're not offering. Definitely. Yeah. That's really exciting. I think that's great. I'm, thank you. I'm really excited for you. And I, thank you. I look forward to hearing how it goes me for too. you. Me yeah. too. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how it goes. I'm excited as well. So and I get a ton of inquiries. I'm, I'm getting ready to have to probably start <laughs> a waiting list for clients. Cause I'm filling up. So I, maybe I can offer yeah, that'd be you great. as a referral potential. Yes, okay. That'd be great. Uh, I wanted to check in on the chat. Cause we had, we had some nice comments going on. My Roku says, hi, uh, thank you for being here. Byzantine Ladybug says also with a more integrated health promoting orientation, you can include more holistic interventions, Yes, which is often more beneficial because it includes the physical plane, spiritual plane, et cetera. Yeah. Yes. I really like that. I like that a lot. I like that. And I want to highlight that too, because mm -hmm. spirituality has also been 
kind of decimated and removed from psychotherapy. Yeah, it and really has. Yeah. I want, you know, people that want to, or, or that have, you know, those kind of beliefs and want to integrate that part of them into it is mm -hmm. super important. And that would be mm -hmm. something under the umbrella of coaching that absolutely. I would do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. CNY photo video says, hello, hello. Glad you're here. And, uh, I always, this name always gets me dirty Sanchez. Hi, <laughs> best wishes to the channel. Hi. And, uh, yeah. Byzantine ladybug says genes related to reduced stress tolerance. Mm. Yeah. Pointing out when we were talking about MTHFR. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. All right. Oh, uh, also points out that with electronic health records, the diagnoses follow you forever. Yes, that is correct. That's, yeah. It's another that's, problem with diagnosing when they're under, when they're under 18 and you're diagnosing, it is so this gender dysphoria that they're diagnosing under 18 is absolutely ludicrous to me because it is going to follow them. And it's not an accurate diagnosis for 99.9% .9 of the kids that are getting that diagnosis period. Well, it and just it's, isn't. it's also just the, the idea of giving everybody a diagnosis. I, so if you come in to too. see a counselor, it doesn't matter how correct, how, uh, you know, what it's for, you're going to get a diagnosis. Correct. And if you're using your insurance, it's going you to go to your insurance. To. And yeah, correct. so that's, and I think that that's one of the places where I really, uh, that model really lost me. Because you also get judged then by even your regular doctors. Mm -hmm. So there are things in my own electronic record that my regular doctors or a new doctor would look at and would ask me about. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, well, that's not um, relevant. It's not accurate, right? It's not accurate. It was something that was provisional mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. it got changed to something else, but there's this, but it's here. And so then I'm being scrutinized through that lens, right? So again, another reason why that becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, there's a lot of reasons why it's, it's yes. a problem. Let's see. Neck zombie. That's a great name. <laughs> Are counselors trained to ask about lifestyle before going into problem solving? If yeah. someone is struggling, maybe counselors should ask how well you're sleeping, diet, etc. Yes, they, do. they are, the but I think they're not, I don't yeah. think there's enough focus on it personally. Yeah. And that's why I like the, the, you know, taking a better look at somebody's lifestyle habits. I think yes. it's very important. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say this name. EA quitting the best therapist I ever had, who I saw for years would always invite me to question my limiting beliefs and assumptions about myself and my reality. Bingo. That's good. Motivational um, interviewing. <laughs> yeah. Where Jeffrey did this belief come to be? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Jeffrey Fildy says, Robert Barnes talks a bunch about regulatory capture. Hopefully chats like this will help transform this. I don't know who Robert Barnes is, but that's, yeah, I hope so too. And I, maybe Robert I should check Barnes? him out. Do you know is who that is? Is he a lawyer? He might, be, is he the, the Viva Barnes? Let me look and see. There's yeah, an we could look attorney. Him up. Anyhow, go ahead. And then oh, Oswald Spengler says, I should do more evening streams if possible. Oh. And, and says, I heard the best cure for diagnosis is no chainosis. So that's very, <laughs> that's a very cute play on words. That's adorable. Yeah. That's cute. I, um, yeah, I guess we could do, we could do evening sometime. That'd be fun. That'd be fun too. Yeah. This Robert was just Barnes. kind of, I, the only one I could we just decided to start talking today and yes, it was, a, yes, yes. do I want to record this or go live? So yes. I'm glad you guys are here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Viva Barnes. Yeah. Yes. That, oh, I know That's, Viva Barnes. Well, Viva Fry. 
<clears throat> is a very interesting person. I don't know if the person on the chat probably is familiar with Viva Fry because I'm I'm a member of Locals, and so they have their own Locals mm. chat, and I follow Stephanie Wynn on Locals too, who's a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, but Viva Fry, so that's uh, they combine forces. I think Robert Barnes and and that gentleman. They're very um, uh, very uh, they're they're constitutional purists, if you will. So okay. everything that is happening in the world right now is completely anti-constitution yeah. yeah. right so yeah. you know and there's censoring of voices so they've created some traction on a locals um if, platform versus just the regular internet because they get shut down probably yeah well that's interesting um maybe i should check that out um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so christine will you send me if you yes. send me all your info and your I email, like, I know you sent it to me, but anything you want, I'll put that I in sure the will. description sure. after we go, after we stop this, I'll put it up. So if you guys want to contact Christine or have any questions for her, you'll get her straight any, to her email. Any questions at all to, like, I spoke to somebody from your chat the other day about, you know, he's finishing his license or finishing his schooling, mm. but can't get the license done because of these kind of wokish. And so we just brainstormed for a bit and I'm happy to provide some mm. consulting services on that too as well okay. people want yeah um, that's great to, you know to chat about options and about how to kind of navigate what's going on mm -hmm. happy to do it because my involvement with critical therapy antidote i'm looped into the latest and greatest on what's happening with psychotherapy and um the key players that are pushing back etc so I have a lot of um, information to give because I'm on yeah. the management oh, team there. That's really helpful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. All so, right. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much, Leslie. Yeah. Thank you, Christine. And thanks to everybody who joined us today. And we'll see you guys again soon. Take care.